You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Football season is here, and it's time to bet with my bookie. Use promo code Gators and get a free $20 wager with your first deposit. Your winning season begins today, only at my bookie. Gators Breakdown. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. And here we are. We get to finally preview a game. We know it's game week. If you listened to the last episode of Gators Breakdown, you know how excited uh, Will and I were, were for that. But here we are. We finally get the, a full preview for an opponent now coming up for the 2020 season. And, of course, that is the Ole Miss Rebels. So joining me to preview of the Rebels is Jake Evans from the Rebel Walk. So we'll get a you know in-depth preview of uh, Lane Kiffin and the new look Ole Miss Rebels from him. And I tell you what, uh, just an exciting game just because of all the questions kind of surrounding that program with the coaching change there with Lane Kiffin coming in. Kind of a, uh, right now, a Gators breakdown announcement. You know, uh, every Sunday, a, a day after a game is played, we do a big uh, game recap, game review uh, style of show. Will Salmon from The Athletic was joining me uh, last year to do that. Well, this year, We'll do it with two other people. And uh, so, so excited to bring on Nick DeLatore from Gator Country and uh, Graham Hall from the Gainesville Sun would join me every Sunday to look back at the previous day's game. So, this, of course, this Sunday we'll look back. Uh, Nick will be traveling to Oxford uh, for the Ole Miss game. So we tr- we're going to try and record around 1 p.m. Uh, on Sunday. That will be live on YouTube, and then the podcast version will be available later. So look out around midday on Sunday. Uh, we'll try and get it for 1 o'clock. Nick's traveling back. That's the scheduled time. We're going to do it right now. But uh, So around midday, 1 o'clock, I know around the time the NFL games are kicking off, but uh, kind of the nature of the beast right now as uh, Nick will be traveling with the team. And then uh, Graham will be at the Gator Nationals uh, as well, so uh, covering that on Sunday. So he'll, he'll, be, he'll be joining us by phone call uh, there. So uh, you know, busy, busy time with traveling and some other obligations uh, for, for their job. But we will talk Florida Ole Miss review uh, on Sunday with Nick De La Torre and Graham Hall. So before we get started, remember, you can get your Gators Breakdown merchandise on eBay. Head to ebay.com slash str slash Gators Breakdown. You can see it right there on YouTube, uh, the um, uh, the link there. Uh, and it's also in the description uh, as well if you're not watching the YouTube version. But new new look Gators Breakdown merchandise that you can find at ebay.com slash str slash Gators Breakdown. Before we get started, remember you can also find Gators Breakdown on news4jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. You'll find all the Gators Breakdown episodes there, as well as news for Jack's coverage of the Gators. Please share, rate, and review the show. Subscribe on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button. That really helps us out a lot. Check us out on your favorite podcast platform if you don't watch us on YouTube. And follow Gators Breakdown on social media, Twitter and Facebook, at Gators Breakdown. 
I'm joined now by Jake Evans, senior writer for the Rebel Walk, and big thanks to Ole Miss Evie for setting this one up. Jake, how you doing, man? And hey, look, we weren't so sure we were getting football this year, and here we are. Uh, week one of the SEC, some other college football games have been played already, but here we are, week one of the SEC, and it's Florida Ole Miss. Yep, it's 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 a big week. I mean, you know, like you said, we weren't sure if we were ever going to get to this point. Um, you know, it's a relief that we are here. I mean, I guess technically we're still not there yet, but uh, you know, we're we're feeling pretty good right now. Um, you know, Rebels are excited. We've been buzzing all offseason with Lane Kiffin. We're uh, you know, we're, we're ready to hit the ground running here. We're ready to you know see what they actually do and just quit hearing about it. I think we all are. Your Florida's got questions too. We're just waiting to get answered. <laughs> Here we are. We get it, we get it all on Saturdays. So, hey, look, we all know, especially as covering the team, it's been limited. It's been crazy trying to follow a college football team during this whole COVID pandemic and everything that goes on with that. A restricted offseason, somewhat for the media. What? But with all that being said, what's been the assessment of how things are going under Lane Kiffin and as we approach Game One? Uh, big culture change, I guess, from from Matt Luke and Rich Rod and that offense to kind of shifting towards uh, the popularity that is Lane Kiffin. Yeah, well, you know, one of the, one of the big things and one of the big knocks that that people had on uh, Matt Luke for a bunch of years that, that was that he was just kind of the best of a bad situation. That he was kind of the best option they had at the time. Um, you know, he he came in right as Ole Miss was dealing with the, the tail end of their long, you know, ten year long NCAA investigation. Um, so, you know, he, he kind of was the best of a bad situation, and that's what we needed for the time. He, he helped the team stay afloat. He helped keep us, you know, from, from really hitting rock bottom there. Um, and, and, you know, that's kind of what I'll always credit him for, you know, having done a great job of, of, like I said, keeping us afloat. However, with Lane Kiffin now for the first time in a handful of years, we're very excited. We're, we're actually excited to, to see Ole Miss football. We, we feel good about what we've got. You know, we're returning players. We're not dealing with a ton of injuries like we have in past years. And, and you know, we've got a real kind of light at the end of, tu- end of the tunnel here because, you know, for the last last bunch of years, Ole Miss is basically competing for like fifth place in the SEC West, really and truly. We're, we're, we're competing to not be the worst team in our conference. Um, and, and so, you know, when it comes down to it, we're, we're excited. This is a fast team. It's a very, very young team. Um, you know, last year, Ole Miss's offense pretty much thrived exclusively through uh through true freshmen um uh, but you know being john rice Plumley and, and jerry neely so um you know those guys they just got another year under their belt um those are both two sport athletes that are helping lead the offense right there both big baseball players um and so you know we're, we're excited this is like i said it's a fast team um you know lane kiffin has kept a lot of the little nuances of his offense under wraps um you know just just being a being a good football mind i mean the 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 big question that you know, and I'll just go on to take us into this because I know it's probably the first question you're gonna have <laughs> is 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 John Rice Plumlee versus Matt Corral, yep. um, and, and that's what everybody wants to know. And, and really and truly, I don't think anybody knows yet. I, I really, really don't think anybody knows yet. All all off season, Kiffin has done. He's made he has made it very very clear to to give both quarterbacks props to 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 talk about both of their progress to not you know take one person over the other granted uh matt corral had about a, he got about an extra week um you know Plumlee was dealing with a little injury Plumlee was out of practice but um and a lot of people think that's given matt corral the edge uh you know for the starting job this week um but you know really and truly i mean almost released their first first depth chart the other day and every position uh every position you know was uh scripted out pretty well but quarterback it had john rice Plumlee or matt corral so he's still not even ready to tell us yet. Um, and, and, you know, as much as we'd like to think that we, you know, it, it'll be John Rice Plumlee just being that he ended the season. He was the you know most exciting piece of last season. Most people would like to think it's him. However, if you look back at Lane Kiffin's track record, 
guys like Matt Corral are a little bit more his style guys that move, but it can also are, you know, are primary passers. Um, so, you know, that's, that's kind of where we're at right now. We, we really don't know. We expect to see a lot of both of them. We expect to see a good, healthy mix. Um, but we're, we're kind of still waiting on pins and needles like everybody else. Okay, one more thing about Kiffin, but and then we'll, well, one more question about the quarterback position as well. Is there anything that surprised you about Kiffin so far? Like I said, I, I know access is limited or whatever, but you know he has the reputation of being uh, approachable, uh, you know, to, to the media because he, he's he, he likes to talk to the media. He likes mm-hmm. to get out there. He's very out there social media as well. He he, he mm-hmm. really has that aspect about him that uh, I think fans cater to, maybe even his players cater to as well. But uh, in the limited access, is there anything that surprised you about Lane Kiffin so far? Well, the, the the thing that surprised me the most is just he seems to be a lot, a lot calmer and a lot more mature. And, you know, one of the big knocks that, that people have had on him for years and years and years, I mean, as long as his, he's been a coach in the public eye, um, it's it's been about his maturity and it's about it's it's been about decisions he's made and things he said and and you know people he's associated himself with and so he, he's had knocks on you know really the, it has nothing to do with him as a coach he's a he's a fantastic football coach he's always been a good football coach it's always been personal issues and and that's what has always held people back from being able to fully commit to somebody like Lane Kiffin um but looking at him right now and and having heard him talk and things like that I, I think he's kind of turned a new page because you know, Lane Kiffin kind of took the the reverse route that most coaches take in their career. He started in the NFL. He started with the Raiders mm-hmm. and, and basically worked his way down to Florida Atlantic last year um, and, and is now back at Ole Miss versus, you know, most coaches, they'll, they'll start at the very bottom and they'll work their way up to the NFL. So, you know, he, he's kind of, he's taken a very unconventional route in his career. He's, he's a very interesting guy. He's a smart guy and he got thrown into this profession very, very young. Um, and, and so that's been the thing that's been the most surprising this offseason is is he just, you know, when, when you ask a question, you don't expect him to blurt out an answer. You expect him to sit there and he just kind of goes and he just kind of looks at you and he, and he just kind of thinks for a second. And, and it, it's 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 a weird little it's a weird little thing for me to be picking on. But it just seems like he's more mature. It seems like he thinks, you know, before he talks now, um, which it, not to say that he's never done that, but I think he's. I think he's really, really realized the mistakes of his past, and I think he's realized where um, he falls short in people's minds and and how he could embarrass the people around him. And so I think he's just made steps to to make sure that he doesn't ever do that again. He, I don't think he ever wants to have to look for a job again. I think he would like to be at Ole Miss as long as he could be. And speaking of that maturity part, I mean, he, when he was head coach at Tennessee – Going against Florida, he predicted a, a win over Florida as Tennessee yeah. head coach mm-hmm. you know, going, going into that game. So yeah, I don't think we've got any predictions that he's saying Ole Miss is going to beat Florida yet. So uh, right, th- right. Th- there's there's one example already from about a decade ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and that's you know one of the things he's he's a I mean it, he's got a great personality. He's a lively guy. I mean he like I said he's still young. He, even though he's been in the coaching game for years, hey buddy. Even though he's been in the coaching game for years, he's still a young guy. Um, and, and so you know. It, it, it's it's good to see that he's maturing and it seems like he's he's you know he's a seasoned veteran really that's yeah. that's what it seems like it seems like he's a seasoned veteran and he's finally realized okay I need to pump the brakes in these situations I need to think about what I say I, I this could come back you know it just it seems like he's been there done that and and he's more comfortable with the position and and he's more comfortable with the moment and as a fan and and you know having just hired that and having come off of many years of bad football at Ole Miss that's all we could hope for. We're, we're fired up to see that. 
Yeah. So okay, we'll go at the quarterback in, in just uh, right now. Of course, I, I like you. I expect to see both quarterbacks on the field. And even thinking about it with Lane Kiffin and his creativity and offense, and just trying to get the most out of an offense, I really wouldn't doubt if we saw Corral and Plumlee on the field at the same time. Yeah, yeah. That's that's something that is that's totally in the realm of possibilities. Um, you know, that's that's kind of been the um, been the suspicion since day one that 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 if. Uh, you know, if he if he does start Matt Corral, that John Rice Plumley will find another place to play. He'll find a slot position. He'll find some kind of wing back, some kind of something, um, because the, his talent's undeniable. Whether or not you think he can throw the football is another question, but his talent is undeniable. He's the fastest player on the field. He proved that last year, time and time again. Um, and and before, and, you know, go, and before we move on there, Dan Mullen even said it this week. I recruited him. We recruited him as a cornerback because he was yeah. so fast. Yeah, he's he's a fantastic athlete. I mean, and the thing is, is he's got he's got that speed that's just kind of next level where it's you know he's fast, but nobody is prepared for how fast he actually is. You you see him, he he beats guys to the corner. He's able to beat guys and turn up field and and get north and south. And and he does very, very good things with with the football in his hands. Um and, and that's what makes it so difficult for Lane Kiffin is even if he wants Matt Corral to be his quarterback, he's got to find a place to put John Rice Plumley because like I said, the talent is undeniable. Um, you know, the real challenge is going to come in in mixing that offense up with those two guys, because most people are, are going to expect that Matt Corral comes in the game. The Reds are throwing the football plumbly taking the snap. They're probably running it. So the challenge is going to come in in not making it, you know, completely obvious which one is, you know, doing which. Um, that's going to be where the real question is, because like I just said, everybody knows. Corral's primarily a passer, Plumley primarily a runner. And, and so that's that's where he's going to really have to mix it up this year. And that's where you're going to see that that, you know, kind of offensive genius that we hope we have, uh, you know, for the Rebs. We, we hope that we get to see that this year because Ole Miss has dynamic weapons. I mean, there's no denying it. Whether or not they're ready to perform and, and you know, compete for the SEC is another question, but they have weapons. Right. And we'll start with one weapon here and. You know, either way, you know, the Ole Miss has got to get better passing the ball, whether it be Corral or, or Plumlee taking an, a, another step and helping in that regard too. But Elijah Moore, 67 passes caught last year. But more of the question behind him, who's the number two receiver? You know, the, the guy, the, the leading um, uh, pass catcher, only just caught 13 passes, uh, but yeah. behind Elijah Moore, 67 last year. So how important is – is it for this offense and, you know, to, to find another receiver to help more out and who are the guys that can step up in that position or maybe, well, or maybe, maybe even pass catching tight ends. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it, you know, that you're, you're exactly right. I mean, uh, you know, three or four years ago, Ole Miss made its name with, with guys like AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, Dawson Knox, all three NFL players right now, all three, you know, contributing big time to their teams in, in year and two. Even, and even Van Jefferson, who transferred to Florida. And- exactly, exactly. I, that totally even slipped my mind. Van Jefferson, could, Ole Miss was so stacked a receiver. Ole Miss was so good in their passing game when, when those guys were in college that Van Jefferson got kicked out of the wide receiver room, and he's catching passes for the Rams now. It, it, I mean, the, the receiver room that was there three or four years ago was just absolutely stacked. Um, and so that's what Ole Miss was known for. But then it got to a point where – there wasn't a quarterback to go with it. There wasn't a quarterback to throw the ball. It, Jordan Tayamu was the last one that, that Ole Miss had, um, and, and then it turned over into the you know the Matt Corral, John Rice, Plumlee situation. So you know, like you said, Elijah Moore was the only one who was consistent last year. Um, it, it was no secret that Ole Miss was probably going to try and run the ball thirty-five times a game, if not more, um, and that they were pretty much only going to pass when they absolutely had to. Um, that that was something that you know was made pretty clear uh, uh, pretty early in the season. Um, and and to be honest, it it wasn't you know I, it worked. 
So no knock on it. Um, but like you said, Ole Miss has got to find another guy. You know, you you can't. The thing is, is you can you can rely on one year where you kind of got you got this finicky out there talent in John Rice Plumley, and then you've got you know a good running back behind him. You've got one really good wide receiver. You just got to be able to put more weapons together. They've got various weapons all over the field, but they've got to be able to get more consistent ones. That was another problem, too, is that Ole Miss, really and truly, it wasn't like Elijah Moore was just miles and miles better than all these people. The other guys, the, the, you know, the, the, the Braylon Sanders is the Jonathan Mingos, you know, the, the who else, the Dontario Drummonds, they just didn't play that well when they got their chances. They dropped some passes. They, they really just didn't step up to the moment. And when it came down to it, Elijah Moore was the only guy that, that the coaching staff knew they could rely on. Um, it also helps that he gets open more times than not. But 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 he was the only real guy that that they really really you know were honed in on that they thought that could really do it for him. Um, and so yeah, you know with with this is the the depth chart that Ole Miss released the other day. It, and and a lot of this is you know uh, based on rotation. I, I don't think it's going to be like we only see three or four guys. I think we're going to see a pretty healthy rotation. Um, a lot of these guys are, are are sophomores and juniors together, so they're, they're you know, oh, like I said, almost had great receivers a handful of years ago. They kind of lacked for a couple of years in that recruit in, in the recruiting department there. And then they replaced, you know, a bunch of good receivers after that. So they kind of skipped a few years, but now they've got a handful of guys that are really developing and, and really should be good receivers. Um, you know, you're looking across the board, you got Jonathan Mingo, uh, you got Don Terrio Drummond, Braylon Sanders, Miles Battle, Demarcus Gregory, Elijah Moore, Dennis Jackson. These guys are all receivers that have played before. They have not contributed big time, but these are all receivers that have played. So, you know, I, I'd expect to see Jonathan Mingo be a big guy this year. Um, he, he was a guy that the Reds really were looking to count on early in the season. They made it clear that they wanted him in the offense. He just didn't perform as well as they thought that, as they thought he would. Um, so his role kind of got, you know, backed up a little bit. Um, but but that's a guy that I expect the Reds to try and use a lot this year. Um, Dontario Drummond being another one. Uh, Braylon Sanders is a guy who they've kind of used as a, as a slot, you know, wide, wide receiver hybrid. Um, he's a guy who's got experience. He, he, he's, he's been a, a playmaker since he was a freshman. Um, he's dealt with a lot of injuries. He's had a nagging hamstring injury for man. seems like forever. Um, I mean, multiple years, he's a guy who can contribute, you know, a, a lot to this. That's a guy who's proven that he can contribute. He's just got to stay healthy. So, you know, Jonathan Mingo is probably the, the primary person I'd say Don Terrio drumming behind him. Um, if Braylon Sanders can stay healthy, that'd be fantastic. And then, um, you know, the the Rebs, the Rebs have uh, Kenny Uboa coming in this year. Kenny Uboa coming in as tight end, uh, a transfer from Temple, grad transfer. Um, so that's that's a new piece of the offense. Kenny Uboa, he, he was a good pass catcher at Temple. Um, you know, I, I'm not exactly I, – I, you know, I can't say this for certain, you know, for myself, but but I've heard that apparently Kenny Uboa works very well with this offense that Lane Kiffin's running. Um you know, I don't know the exact nuances, so I don't know exactly why they're saying that that he works so well in it. But apparently, apparently, Yaboa works in this offense. Um, so it seems like Ole Miss has the weapons they need all across the field. It's really and truly they just have to get them to actually perform this year. They've had the weapons, they just haven't stepped up to the plate yet. And of course, you know the quarterbacks have some athleticism, can make play with their legs. Of course, especially Plumley there. But two running backs that Kiffin have to be excited about, and, and, and to me, building an offense around those guys and, and finding a way to get them the ball. Jerry on Ely, Snoop Connor, plenty of carries uh, under Lane Kiffin are coming <laughs> with, with those guys. You know, and, and even with a lack of passing game last year, you had Ely who nearly averaged seven yards a carry there. So, you know, Lane Kiffin. Does like to be balanced. I know he gets a lot of credit for, for quarterback play in his offenses, but he likes to be balanced, and he's got two running backs there to, to start that with. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you know, I, I was I was trying to I, I was looking up some numbers last night because you know that's that's what that's what everybody says. Lane Kiffin's known for his quarterbacks. Look at his quarterbacks. It, you know the whole track record. Everybody talks about that. But but you know I was looking at it last night. Uh, Lane Kiffin's first three years at uh, at, at or, I mean Lane. Let's see. Yeah, yeah. It was it was all three of his years that he was there. Uh, Devin Singletary, who's now the running back for the Bills, he ran for forty two hundred yards and sixty six touchdowns in his three years at Florida Atlantic. That's that's not a, that's not in a, pri- a primarily passing offense right there. For those handful of years, they were a, a primary running team with Lane Kiffin, and then this this past season with Chris Robinson, he was the ninth leading passer in the country, threw for about thirty seven hundred yards. And so, even even in his even in that short stint at Florida Atlantic, some of his teams were running pri- were primarily running teams, and some of his teams were primarily passing teams. He, he's he's he done ad- it. He adapts. Yeah. Yeah, he he adapts, and and that's something that people were knocking him on early in the early in the time, is saying, you know, he's got to have this type of quarterback. He's got to be able to put this kind of offense in. I don't think that's the case. I think I think Lane Kiffin is a lot better football coach, and I think he's a lot better at at using what he has to his advantage than people give him credit for. Um, and, and so you know, and everybody, you know, Blake Sims, a guy who wasn't even a, a quarterback when he got to Alabama. Blake Sims in 2014, Lane Kiffin turned him into a 3,500 yard passer. He threw 28 touchdowns. They, they, he took him to the Sugar Bowl that year. Lane Kiffin knows how to he, he knows how to take the pieces that he likes and use them to his advantage. That's why I'm really really interested to see what the Reds are going to do with John Rice Plumley this year. Is because Blake Sims, granted, Blake Sims I think had had a little bit better natural arm than John than John Rice did, or, or, or maybe does right now. Um, but that's why I'm really excited to see somebody like you know Plumley in this offense because I'm I, I'm excited to see if he if he wants to to make him a real quarterback or or if he's going to use him as kind of that wildcat. <laughs> He can throw it, but he's probably going to run it. But you don't really know. So you know that's that's one of those ones where you're just excited. I'm excited to see it because he he's done a good job. He's shown over the course of his career that he can adapt. He can put the right people in the right situations, and that he's not a one dimensional kind of guy. If he was a one dimensional kind of guy, he wouldn't have made it back to to the SEC to be a head coach. Some people he would have been figured out at Florida Atlantic, and and that would have been the end of it. He probably would have never made an, you know another rise like this. But the fact that he's dynamic. He 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 won the he won the conference with Florida Atlantic two years in a row. He's he's a good or two out of three years. He's a good coach. He knows how to use the pieces around him, and he knows how to turn them into better versions of what other people see them as. John Rice Plumley is not just because he's a quarterback doesn't mean he has to throw the ball thirty times a game. Yep. He might throw it twelve times a game and then run for a buck seventy. And guess what? We still get a win, and it doesn't matter how it doesn't matter how it happened. So you know that's one of the things. Like I said, I'm really excited to see how he uses what he's got around him. He's got a good track record of balancing and and using what he what he needs to not hitch his wagons to one thing just for the sake of doing it. He's 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 clearly good at, at you know staying on his toes and, and balancing it and and like I said, using what he's got. Jake Evans, senior writer for the Rebel Walk, joining us here on Gators Breakdown. A couple more questions to do as we preview the Ole Miss Rebels here and. I mean, uh, offensive line, of course, I think we have to look at that position because, look, that's what Matt Luke was known for. I mean, that's yeah. it. so to me, it's got to be somewhat of a culture shock <laughs> going from Matt Luke, who is a head coach who, you know, really knows the offensive line and, and probably that's his baby as a head coach to go into mm-hmm. Lane Kiffin. So what's the uh, what's the early word on the on the offensive line? A lot of young players there as well. Then I think uh, during the camp they had an injury bout and a COVID bout kind of in, in that position group. So how would you assess that group as we head into the first game? 
Yeah, well, I, I was going to say that's good, good that you mentioned COVID and everything like that. I wanted to mention that the Rebs have no that no positive test for, I think, the second week in a row now. Okay. Um, you know, every, everybody's everybody's good and healthy. We're not it doesn't look like, uh, you know, there's any possibility of, of the Wake Forest situation where, where we have to can't. It, it doesn't look like there's a Notre Dame Wake Forest situation, you know, in, in the cards here. So that's good. Um, but yeah, you know, Matt, Matt Luke, his whole time at Ole Miss, he, he started as the offensive line coach, uh, you know, before before he eventually became the head coach. Um, and so, like you said, offensive line was kind of his baby. Um, you know, those are those are the guys he knew the most. Those are the guys he'd worked with the most. And, and when it came down to it, you know, it, it, his offense kind of reflected that. Um, it was kind of built around what they could do the most comfortably. And, and, and that's not to say that's not a bad thing. If your offensive line can't run block, then you don't need to run the ball. It's as simple as that. And, and he was, and he, he recognized that, that, you know, the offensive lines that we've had over the last couple of years haven't been, you know, incredible. Um, but yeah, you know, that one of the things that's really good is that this is, a, it's a very young offensive line, like you said, um, but they're very confident in it, which, which is, which is, you know, you always hear teams in there. We love the guys we got in our room, and we, oh, the offensive line room's great. It's all good and great to say that, but when it comes down to it, if you've got as many as many young guys as Ole Miss has in this room, you're not expecting those guys to feel good about what they've got. They can they can try and tell you that they're excited, but but you can really tell in their voices, and you can see that these guys might not be comfortable. That's not the case at Ole Miss right now. These guys seem like they're they're hanging around with a bunch of seasoned veterans. It seems like there's there's more than you know a handful of guys on this offensive line that have started before. It seems like these are guys who have seen SEC snaps and seen SEC looks and know what they're getting themselves into and how to deal with it. it it's 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 really you know it's it's something that we're fired up for. Like I said, our offensive lines haven't been fantastic over the last couple of years. Um, but you know even though it's really young this year, we're excited for it. Um. You know, looking at it, Ben Brown uh, coming back, he's going to be kind of the anchor of this uh, of, of this offensive line. Him and Nick Broker. Um, ben Brown's going to be playing center this year. Nick Broker's going to be playing left tackle. Um, those are both guys who have played before. Nick Broker saw a lot of time last year as a true freshman. Um, and, 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 you know, Ben Brown, like I said, is the one that we believe is going to be the anchor. Um, when you, you got right, uh, Royce Newman at right tackle, probably, uh, actually, not even probably, 100% has the best mullet in the SEC. If you haven't, if you don't know who I'm talking about, you ought to go look up Royce Newman. Uh, the, it, it speaks for itself. I saw, I saw that floating around on Twitter today. Yep, yep, it's it's fantastic picture. Um, and then the Rebs are, you know, with the two guard positions, right guard, they're expecting to see Jeremy James there, and, and then we're expecting to see Reese McIntyre at left. Um, but you know, there's a lot of guys that are that are in that mix that they, you know, I. I'm not going to say that I think Ole Miss is going to rotate the offensive line because I think that's I think that's a a, a, a very questionable thing to do with offensive linemen. Um, but but I think we're going to see more than just the five or six guys that you know are, are, are the big names on this offensive line. I, I think Ole Miss likes a lot of the people. I think that the other thing too, it, it, I, it's really unfortunate that Ole Miss has to play someone like Florida week one, somebody this good week one. I would really, really like a week to work these kinks out. I mean, it, we're working with a new coach. We're working with like a million freshmen. Y'all need to cut us a break here. I mean, <laughs> the, the thing is, is we we usually get like a little bit easier warm up game. We don't just get thrown straight into the into the freaking swamp with you know a, a top ten Florida team. I mean, that's just that's just downright cruel with a new head coach. But you know, it it is what it is. I mean, like I said, we I, I expect there to be a, a you know. I expect there to be kinks in this offense. I expect it to take a few weeks for this to, you know, really hit the ground running and really be churning on all, um, you know, on all cylinders like we want it. Um, but, you know, like we were talking about at the beginning of this game, one of the things that 
that I think Ole Miss has going for him is I, I think Ole Miss's speed and athleticism in certain areas is better than Florida's. Um, and really and truly, I think Ole Miss has that speed and athleticism better than a lot of the people they'll play this year. Um, it, it, you know, we talked about before Ole Miss was at, Ole Miss's offensive line. I, I don't remember the exact number. I, I have to go back and try and find it, but I think it's somewhere around 89% of Ole Miss's offense last year came from true freshmen being primarily John Rice Plumley and, uh, and, and Jerry Neely. And so, those are two of the most dynamic playmakers in the SEC. Uh, you know, what, regardless of whatever you have to say about Ole Miss, that's just factual. Those guys can fly. They're elusive. They proved it last year as freshmen. And, and I can't expect them to take any kind of a step back as sophomores. Um, and, and so, you know, that's one of the things that Ole Miss has working really well for them is that they've got speed. They've got athleticism. They, Ole Miss, I think, more than Florida has the ability for the big play and, and, the, and, and the kind of, you know, like I said earlier, maybe the 80-yard touchdown run, maybe that maybe return a kick or something like that. I think Ole Miss has that potential. I think that's probably what's going to keep them in this game. Um, but like I was talking about earlier with the kinks, I think that there's going to be too many natural kinks in this offense that we're going to end up seeing. Um, it, it, I, too much to the point that I don't think Ole Miss is going to be able to consistently put drives together and stay with a good team like Florida. Now right, we'll move to the other side of the ball, of course, before we wrap up here with you and Co-coordinators on the defensive side of the ball, and one familiar face for Florida, DJ Durkin, who spent some time at Florida, and Will Muschamp, of course, uh, head coach at Maryland, uh, before some unfortunate events there, and then uh, of course uh, Chris Partridge uh, as well com- com- coming over, and then um, look, this is a defense that struggled uh, defending the pass last year, whether it be on the back end, whether it be up front uh, at certain points of the season, so. Got a lot of work cut out for him, and, and especially on that back end of, of replacing some important pieces back there on that defense. Yeah, well, and and you know one of the things that's that's that we're optimistic about heading into this year is the fact that you know yes, Ole Miss is very young in a lot of places on defense, but the thing is, is most of those guys that are very very young players got thrown into the fire last year. Ole Miss had a slew of injuries on the defense. It seems like they always do. Um, you know, knock on wood that that's that we're not dealing with that this year because that's the last thing we need. Um, but, but you know, last year Ole Miss dealt with a lot of injuries and we had to see a lot of younger guys play, um, probably a lot quicker than they thought they were going to play. And so when you look across the board now, yeah, you've still got a lot of underclassmen, but they're guys who have seen time before, you know. It, it, so when we're looking at the depth chart here, Tarikius Tisdale is is a freak of nature. He's playing defensive end. He's got Ryder Anderson behind him. Those two guys, they're I mean, they're both like eight feet tall, three hundred pounds, and they run like four fours. The guys, the guys can absolutely move. They're fantastic athletes. Those are two guys who played for a long time. Both both looking at the defensive end spot right there. So we're we're feeling good where we are there. Um, you know, once we get into the middle, there's a little bit more the interior of the defensive line. Um, we're expecting to see KD Hill, who, who's a guy who's been here for two years. Um, he, he got to campus and it was kind of known that he was going to be a two year project uh, behind Benito Jones and Josiah Cotney. You know, two two guys who, who, who were very, very good for Ole Miss for a handful of years um, on that interior defensive line. And so KD Hill is a guy that he's been he's he's a work in progress and and he's finally getting a chance to show it this Saturday, um, which is exciting. Um and, and, but then you look at you got other guys around the offense. You got you got Brandon Mack, who's a sophomore. You got Jay Stanley, who's a sophomore. And, and you got a handful of guys who who are young players, but had to play last year. And and because of that, I think it's going to pay dividends for Ole Miss's defense this year. I think that they're probably still going to struggle. I, I think that it's you know I, I think it's just inevitable. Um, but but I think Ole Miss has has a better chance than than a lot of people think because you know they they they, they kind of accidentally gave themselves experience in a lot of areas. Um, 
And, and so, you know, even though, like I said, it's a lot of young people, I think there's more more experience than, than we would like to believe. Um, the secondary, you know, we feel good about the secondary. Um, you got Kedron Smith and Jalen Jones, two guys who played a lot of football for Ole Miss. Um, you know, when you look at the, the, the linebacking group, that's that's probably where we feel the most confident on defense. Um, yeah. You know, we, we've got Sam Williams coming back, a guy who who's – you know, he, he was one of the top recruits coming out of Juco two years ago. Um, he, I mean, he's a long, fast pass rusher. He, he's just kind of, you know, he, he's one of those guys that it, it seems like he gets to the quarterback at will when he wants to. Um, and, and, you know, so he's a fantastic player coming off the edge there. You got Lakia Henry playing that will linebacker. He was a guy who came out of Juco last year. Um, and, and just, I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a human hit stick. Um, moving you know, about, that, and about that linebacker core, uh, Partridge and Durkin love the blitz. So mm-hmm. I think with that linebacker core, I think uh, we'll probably see even more of it than than the than, uh, Rebels are used to because those are two coordinators there that really love to bring you pressure. Yeah, well, and that's the other thing too is you know w- one of the things that that hurts Ole Miss so bad is that or, or has hurt Ole Miss so bad over the last couple of years is that they haven't had you know they they've had good pieces on the D line. But it, it hasn't been to the point where it's a good unit that you feel comfortable rushing the passer with. Um, you know, you know, Ole Miss did it. I, I'm not to say that Ole Miss hasn't rushed the passer in like three years, but but, you know, they, they don't they don't do it as much as, as they probably need to, given the pieces they had, which puts a lot of pressure on your on your secondary. Inevitably, if you if you have to cover somebody for 14 seconds every play because the quarterback <laughs> running around, it's probably not going to work out for you. Somebody's probably going to get open, and so you know a lot of that's that's something that we really are looking forward to also because, like we said, we we feel like we've got a lot of good aggressive pass rushing, you know, run stopping d- pieces on the D line and and in the linebacking core, and and like I said, it's guys who have played before. Um, you know, when we look at our middle linebacker spot right now, we've got Mo, a, a guy in Momo Sonogo who's sitting, who's currently listed as the second string. He'll he'll rotate at will, uh, uh, you know, this week. But but that's a guy who's listed as a backup. He made 110 tackles in the SEC two years ago. He he had a, he had a bad injury, I think, in week two last year, broke his ankle, or uh, I think in week two last year, and missed the rest of the season. Um, but that's that's a guy who's played a lot of football. He's been a leader. He and and he's not just played a lot of football. He's played a lot of good football. Um, and, and so you know, there's there's him. You've got you've got Jacquez Jones in front of him. Dalen Gill apparently ha- he he's a, he's a new face of, who's apparently been one of the uh, you know one of the stars of the camp. Um, and then, like I said, you've got Kedron Smith, Jalen Jones, AJ Finley on the back end playing defense. And then one of the other one of the other guys that we're really looking forward to that I wanted to make a special note about, um, Mark Britt. Mark Britt, he's a four star uh, recruit, came out of Miami last year. Um, he came to Ole Miss as a four star receiver. Ole Miss over the summer was struggling so badly with with some er- injuries early in the season. They moved Mark to defensive back out of necessity. And it looks like he's actually going to end up playing on Saturday. It looks like he's actually going to maybe, I mean, maybe even, you know, be, be a consistent rotation piece there. That's somebody that we're really looking forward to. Apparently, Mark Britt can fat, flat out fly. Uh, apparently, he is a lot better of a natural cornerback than, than we were led to believe, maybe. You know, he was, he was listed as an, he's listed now as an athlete, um, you know, even though he was a receiver coming out of high school. But, you know, that's like I said, that's another guy where we, we feel good. We think he's a fantastic athlete. We're excited for what he's got. The coaches talk highly about him. Um, and, and so, you know, when you look across the defense all in all, like you said, with Partridge and Durkin, those are two guys who they, they've got good track records as defensive as defensive minds. Um, and, and I think they've got good defensive pieces here that work well with their style. And I think they're I think we're going to see a, a, an improved Ole Miss defense. I think there's still going to be kinks naturally. But I think we're going to see a much improved Ole Miss defense this year. 
And Jay, before we let you go here, last question. Uh, of course, you know, Florida coming off double-digit win seasons and Dan Mullen's first uh, couple seasons at Florida. You guys are very familiar with Dan Mullen, of course, being head coach at Mississippi State. Uh, so uh, what's been your thoughts on Dan Mullen and, and his time at Florida and what you're expecting to see from Florida on Saturday? Well, I, I tell you, Dan Mullen's time at, at, at Florida has been nothing short of a complete disappointment to me because I, I, I don't like him. <laughs> uh, he, he's been so good that, that it's it it drives me crazy. It, it drives me absolutely crazy. I mean, you know, when he when he was at Mississippi State, he kind of, you know, and not to say that there wasn't already plenty of natural fuel on the fire, you know, when it comes to the Egg Bowl rivalry. Um, but you know, when when he came to when he came to Mississippi State, he made it a point that we were going to beat the school up north. They were going to beat the school up north. And, and all this stuff. And so, you know, it, it, I mean, it was almost like we don't care if we go one and 11. If we beat the Ole Miss Rebels, we have to beat the season. <laughs> so, you know, he threw a lot of fire. He, he threw a lot of fuel on the fire and everything. Um, you know, it, the, the Reds had some good games with them over the years. He had some good teams. Um, you know, so did Ole Miss. That was kind of right in that, you know, time yeah. of him when, when Mississippi State and Ole Miss were both in the top three at the same time. I mean, what, like, what world was that? Um, <laughs> But, you know, he I mean, he's a, he's a good coach as much as I want to hate him. And as much as I think he's a goober, sometimes he's a good football coach. He's, he's proved it. I mean, at this point, it, denying it would just be like sticking my head in the couch like it doesn't get me anywhere. I mean, you know, it it, it is what it is. He's a good football coach. I, I think that he's got a good thing going at Florida. Um, you know, I, I hope they continue to let him ride it out. I, I hope they let him continue to build the program. I, I, I think he's doing a good job. Um, I don't think. Florida as a football team, I don't, as a football program, I don't think it's very difficult to sell that to a lot of people. You know, Florida is one of the blue bloods of, of, of college football. And so I think Dan Mullen in a place like that, I, I, he might be there for a long time. Yeah, Gator fans are hoping so, for, for sure, for sure. And like you kind of mentioned, you know, the the, the bad blood between uh, Ole Miss and Mississippi State there. Uh, you got the Florida-Georgia game here. So, you know, he's got to turn that around a bit more and, and, and get on the winning side like he did in the Egg Bowl uh, a bit for Gator fans. But Gator fans through two years are absolutely happy with what Dan Mullins brought to the table there. So, Jake, man, hey, I can't thank you enough. Great preview for the Ole Miss Rebels in the game this Saturday. We finally get some football. Uh, Lane Kiffin versus Florida uh, once again. Uh, we only got it one year when he was at Tennessee. So, good to yep. see him back good good to see him back in the sec uh jake let everybody everybody know where they can find you man yeah you you can find uh, my personal account at jimmy man 23 there um that that's me on twitter but uh i would encourage you instead to go find at the rebel walk find that on twitter find it on facebook instagram everything um evie evie does a fantastic job with the site uh she she's been doing a lot more work than i have lately i gotta give her (laughs) that evie evie's been a lot more on top of her game than i have recently um, yeah, Evie's done a fantastic job. Rebel Walk is, uh, you know, we're, we're positively Ole Miss. That's our slogan. Um, it's it's di- been difficult over the last couple of years to be positive with the Rebs, but uh, we think we turned a corner here. We're, the, the future's looking bright. We're excited. Um, so, yeah, go check us out at the Rebel Walk and, and rebelwalk.com uh, for, for all your Ole Miss coverage. Jake, man, thank, uh, once again, thank you so much, and I look forward to the game on Saturday. Dave, thank you much. Hotty toddy. Unless you've been living under a rock, you know football season is back and the NBA playoffs are in full swing, which can only mean one thing. It's winning season at my bookie. A game is 10 times more exciting when you're putting money on it. Sometimes you have a gut feeling about a matchup or sometimes you just want to bet on your team because they're your team. Regardless, whether you've been betting for years or you're ready to play for the first time, my bookie is your best bet this season. With the biggest online selection of bets and props, they've made it simple to win and easy to get your cash. Right now, MyBookie has a $100,000 super contest for only a $10 entry, and they're giving away $5,000 in cash prizes every four weeks. You'd be crazy not to invest 
your sports knowledge with that kind of potential return on your investment, $10 to win thousands is a no-brainer. Sign up at MyBookie and use promo code GATERS and you can grab a free $20 wager with your first deposit to bet on anything in the sports book. It's an easy way to jumpstart your bankroll. College football, NFL, NBA, and MLB, they've got it all on tap and it's never too late to get started on your winning season only at MyBookie. So here we go. We, a little uh, you know, good interview there, but we'll get even, even more in-depth here uh, with Ole Miss from uh, a Gator perspective, <laughs> my perspective here. Uh, so, of course, Lane Kiffin's coming in. Uh, of course, well-known there. But, you know, but he's bringing in offensive coordinator Jeff Levy from UCF uh, as they try and bring a, a different offense, of course, than what Rich Rodriguez was doing in that heavy run style that he likes to to bring to the table. And, and, and Matt Luke, you know, who's an offensive line background, so he kind of suited what he wanted to do as well, what Rich Rod wanted to do. Offensive linemen like to run the ball. That's just kind of their their nature of the beast there. So you know, the offense is going to change a bit. So, um, you know, it, it brings a quarterback controversy as well. Matt Corral, John Rice Plumley, that's been well documented. And uh, as I said, you know, we mentioned it earlier in the week, that this the last year's Rebel team, you know, they put up some good fights. Five of the losses were by eight points or fewer. And in the last five games of the season, they went one and four, but fought hard in losing 24 to 17 to Texas A&M, um, 20 to 14 to Auburn, 58 to 37 to LSU. Everybody kind of remembers where Plumley went off in that game. The score, it was a little closer than that. Uh, and then the uh, end of the season heartbreaker, uh, their other loss there was 21-20 loss to Ole Miss. So uh, oh, the offense, as I said, run heavy, finished second uh, in the SEC and ninth in the country rushing the ball. But at the same time, led the SEC in giving up tackles for loss. <laughs> it was kind of, in a way, feast or famine uh, for that offense. But uh, you know they, they could count on running the ball. But like I said, that's Rich Rod. They were going to run the ball a lot, especially with their quarterback struggling run, or passing the ball. They were going to run the ball a whole lot. So, you know, it, it, we've I've brought it up, and I'll bring it up again because a lot of you brought it up on Twitter that you like that part of it, and kind of have to bring it up again. Is you know Florida's issues tackling early on in the last couple seasons uh, against Kentucky, the second game of 2018, and then last year opening up versus Miami. You know, it, it's got to be brought up, especially in a year where COVID comes up and you worry about the physicality of the team anyway. Given Florida's history the last couple years, it's, an, it's another point to, to to look at here. So. You know, if Ole Miss can continue their running success uh, from last season, it's going to start with uh, running back Jerrion Ely, who averaged almost seven yards a carry last season, and with his speed and big play ability. And then you have Snoop Connor, who's a, a tough downhill runner, and he averaged 6.3 yards a carry last year. So Ole Miss will try and run the ball, and, and that's the first thing I'm looking for is the physicality from this Florida defense, no matter who the quarterback is. And look, Lane Kiffin likes to run the ball. And maybe a misconception there that he doesn't, but uh, Lane Kiffin's Florida Atlantic offense last year led Conference USA with a passing game that averaged 283 yards per game and a ground attack that averaged 166. So he, he likes running the ball. Lane Kiffin likes having balance. Uh, now, look, we remember that back in his Alabama days as OC too as well, but uh, – you know, he had some pretty good running backs going back to his time there. So you got to run the ball when you have those running backs at Alabama. But um, he, he he likes to, to, to balance the ball, or balance uh, his play calling uh, a bit here. So, you know, of course, uh, Matt Corral's back, team high, 1,363 yards passing, six touchdowns, 59% completion percentage. Plumlee ran for a team high, 1,023 yards and 12 touchdowns, only completed 53% of his passes, 
while the offense ran the ball 63% of the time. And here's my thing. Don't be surprised to see Plumlee maybe play another position on offense in addition to some quarterback. I think we'll see him line up at quarterback, maybe slot receiver style or, or running back in the backfield with Corral. And not necessarily a running back, but, you know, how Lane Kiffin likes to get creative. You may have two quarterbacks on the field at the same time there. So he, he's that electric with the ball in his hands. You know Kiffin likes to get creative. So look for Plumlee and Corral at some point, I think, to be on the field at the same time. And I just don't, but I, looking at it, I just don't see many successful drives throughout the day for this Ole Miss offense. You know, this is a, sorry, those just bothered me a little bit. But uh, here we go. Uh, you know, this is a, for me, for this Florida defense, it's a really do your job type of game uh, for, for Florida. Forget about all the window dressing Kiffin is going to throw at you. This is going to be a good test for, for some of the new pieces for, the, for, for this Florida defense. Can the rush in and, and, and Bucks hold contain when needed? Can the linebackers stay in their gap? You know, Kiffin, he wants to get defenses thinking, but also likes to lull them asleep before trying to hit some big plays down the field. So, look, these safeties just can't give up cheap big plays either that we saw times uh, at last year. So, you know, this is a good first test for every level of the Florida defense. Don't let that stuff happen early, and I just don't see Ole Miss being able to hang with Florida's defense throughout a whole game. And if we go to the other side of the ball, for this Rebels defense, the land shark defense that they like to call it, then uh, two defensive coordinators. They got co-coordinators here: Chris Partridge, former uh, Michigan special teams coach, and DJ Durkin. Of course, a history at Michigan as well with Jim Harbaugh, but also a history at Florida with Will Muschamp. And then uh, they had their their work cut out for him and trying to fix that Ole Miss secondary. Brought this up on the last episode as well. Be tough. They lose two starters back on on that back end. That gave up an SEC worst. 278 yards per game and that was with a pass rush that came up with 33 sacks so you know i kind of remember having 33 sacks and i remember in the summertime kind of re- reading about old miss uh, a little bit and then i had to go back because I, I had trouble remembering where i found it but it was in athlon's magazine here and according to athlon old miss posted a 8.5 percent sack rate on standard downs that's first down second and seven or less third or fourth down, and four yards less to go on those downs. So that was the highest rate of an SEC defense in top 10 nationally, the 8.5% sack rate on, on uh, standard downs. So uh, you know, pretty good there. So, um, so in downs that you know, they could really disguise their defense and coverages, they did a great job of getting to the quarterback. But that didn't translate to passing downs. <laughs> and when the Rebels' defense uh, was uh, at the bottom of the SEC, and 112th in the nation with a 5.1% sack rate on passing down. So, you know, maybe Durkin and Partridge uh, here, history of blitzing, uh, will make that look look a bit different. But in predictable situations, in passing situations, when the offense knew, uh, you know, when Ole Miss knew that the offense was going to pass, for whatever reason, <laughs> they couldn't get to the quarterback uh, there. So, you know, maybe... This guy, you couldn't really disguise there because the offense knew what they were doing. And you know, early downs, you can kind of disguise your, your your coverages a bit more. So something to look forward there to uh, look forward to there is that that uh, kind of shows shows up here in the first game of the season. But a completely different defense for Ole Miss this year. So they lose interior playmakers. Uh, all SEC Benito Jones is gone and Josiah, Josiah Coatney there, uh, defensive end Austrian Robinson, who were all big contributors to last year's team. Uh, great test for the Florida passing game and trash to see where they are as far as getting in sync and getting in a rhythm. 
in their last four games, Auburn, New Mexico State, LSU, and Mississippi State last year, the Rebels gave up over 70% of their passes. I think Kyle Trask uh, probably is looking at that too. So, <laughs> as I said, different defense this year, though, but so you, you got to look at what can Ole Miss improve upon. And especially like what we think Florida can do with Kyle Trask, that's pretty important there. Last four games last year for Ole Miss gave up over 70% of their passes. Nine teams on their schedule last year had at least 64% passing on this defense. So they need a big improvement there on the back end as well, as well as questions up front. If they don't improve there for this first game of the 2020 season, Florida could have a field day on offense. Uh, but, you know, all dependent offensive line, giving Trask more time, so maybe more, some, some more downfield plays can be made. I don't think early. I'd be surprised if we see that early. Uh, but, you know, Trask is given time versus a secondary that really has to prove itself with some new pieces and a defense switching coordinators and systems. Then we may see an offense that looks a lot like last season given the matchup, but also with so many new faces up front and on the back end. You maybe you set it up early with the run, let that help open the, uh, up the pass. But, you know, if I'm Ole Miss, I make this Florida offensive line and running backs prove that they can run the ball better than they could last season. You know, before I start letting Kyle Trash pick me apart, <laughs> I, I, I make Florida run the ball and see, you know, Ethan White's going to be out. Uh, this Florida offensive line is going to count on him. We got Stuart Reese. So, you know, we, we know all the questions along the Florida offensive line in the run game. Can they show up in what I think an Ole Miss defense that's going to try and, and let them run the ball early, just not to get beat by that Florida passing game. So, you know, if, if the Gators offense is in sync this game, Mullen might have a chance to toy around a little bit, have a good bit of fun <laughs> on offense. Uh, one player I do want to look out for for this Ole Miss defense, I think the player we should all watch out for, defensive end, linebacker Sam Williams, senior there, 6'3", 251 pounds, uh, managed to become one of the team's best all-around forces last year. Now, look, he only made 37 tackles. But look at those 37 tackles if you want to look for a player that might be breaking through for Ole Miss. Six sacks, nine and a half tackles for loss, and also the leading returner in uh, seven quarterback hurries. So we all know DJ Durkin likes to blitz, and, and this year Williams could be ready to, to blow up as a, you know, one of those edge hybrid, you know, hybrid edge rushers there. He's coming off an Egg Bowl performance, the last game of the season last year for Ole Miss. Six tackles, three, four loss, and one sack in that game. So Sam Williams, I think, is a player when, when, when that game starts at noon on, on Saturday and Ole Miss is on defense, look for Sam Williams and kind of see what he's going to be uh, bringing to the table there. So with all that said, here we go. You know, we end up here with uh, kind of a score prediction. I don't, maybe I, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe I should quit doing scores. <laughs> but uh, it's fun. Uh, I hope a lot of people don't take it all too serious. I, I just, you know, it's not, it's not a guessing game for me. I, I like to have fun with it, though. But, uh, you know. It is what it is. People take these predictions to heart a lot of the time. So I'll be wrong plenty of times, believe me, uh, with, with scores. Hopefully I won't be wrong too many times in picking the Gators to win this year. Uh, but we'll see how that goes. But with this game one of the 2020 season at Oxford versus Ole Miss, I got Florida winning 33-17. to 17. Maybe a slow start for the offense and, and trying to work on the ground game because that's what will be there early on. Uh, maybe some short passes as well, uh, as well as we saw many times that, that uh, short passing game kind of help out the run game uh, last year. And that's just part of Mullen's offenses. 
it, it, to me, last year it was kind of 50-50. It was Mullen likes to run those type of plays, but also needed to run those type of plays because of the, the, the lack of the run game there. So, you know, I just think uh, that would be, that'd be the, the plan on early. Uh, hopefully wide receivers can break some of these early, uh, short passes up or early on, you know, break, break them open. Uh, eventually, with all the questions on that Ole Miss defensive front on the back end, I think you know Florida has success in the ground game to keep the Ole Miss defense honest, and then Trash just starts picking them apart as the game moves on. On defense, I think Kiffin schemes up something early that'll catch the defense off guard. Uh, they'll get a cheap score, and that'll be that, and, and the defense will control uh, the rest of the game. I see you know only one more Ole Miss touchdown being scored uh, through, throughout the game, as long as it's Florida's defense, and I'll bring it up again is ready to play in a physical style of game. So um, I would be really interested in seeing how the pressure and, and sack numbers in this game add up. You may get a ton of pressure on both of these Ole Miss quarterbacks, but they're athletic. They can escape the pocket. So you may see a ton of pressure, but not many sack numbers here. Uh, so that, that's what I want to look for, is how much is Florida pressuring, how much is Florida actually getting to the quarterback. So 33-17 is the final score I have as the Gators – Hopefully, knock off the old Miss Rebels. And as we do uh, every week, we also will take a look around the SEC and, of course, the whole SEC conference. Well, I hate saying SEC conference because you're basically saying Southeastern Conference Conference. So the whole SEC will kick off <laughs> this weekend, of course. As I said, Florida Ole Miss, we all know that game's at noon. To me, the game of the week in the SEC is also at noon. Kentucky and Auburn. I, I hate that that game's at noon. I really want to watch that game. So it'll be on it'll be on a tablet at, at the same time as we watch that. But I, I'm picking Kentucky to upset Auburn here. I think Auburn has too many questions in the uh, in the trenches on offensive line and defensive line, and having to replace all that from last year. Kentucky's very strong in the trenches with under Mark Stoop. Mar, Mark Stoops. You got Terry Wilson returning for Kentucky. I'd be interested to see how healthy he is. But uh, I'm telling you, I, I think. I'm glad we don't play Kentucky early in the season because that's just a physical style of brand of football. If they're anywhere as close as physical as they usually are, they're going to give a lot of teams trouble early on in the season. And I think Auburn's going to be the first uh, the first uh, casualty of that. So I got Kentucky upset in Auburn. I think a lot of people out there do. I know Auburn's favorite. Vegas may know something out there, but I think a lot of people are, are kind of favoring Kentucky there. And then at 3.30... CBS game of the week, LSU-Mississippi State, so the defending national champions versus Mike Leach. Uh, so everything that LSU lost this past uh, season and this offseason after winning the national championship and the opt-outs and, of course, players going to the NFL draft and coaches and quarterback leaving, all that. We finally get to see this new-look Ole Miss team going against Mike Leach and everything that he can do uh, on offense there for the Bulldogs. And then at 4 o'clock on the SEC Network, Georgia and Arkansas, of course, we'll all have an eye on that. Our, our biggest rivals uh, in, in the SEC going against for, Florida's former quarterback in Felipe Franks. Very interesting. <laughs> I think Georgia blows them out. Uh, but I will be interested to see, of course, Georgia's quarterback. It looks like DeWan Mathis will be taking uh, the lead role there at quarterback. So interesting quarterback storyline for both teams as you know, Florida will be really keyed in, kind of <laughs> looking at Felipe Franks and what he looks like. For the uh, for the Razorbacks, and then of course what Georgia's doing, but their defense is going to be entirely way too much. I, I do like Arkansas's wide receivers; they have some pretty good wide receivers there to help Franks, but not enough, not not a, nowhere near enough to go against that Georgia Bulldog defense. 
And then uh, the nightcaps here, Alabama will go to Missouri. Missouri's got a whole slew of players out for, for COVID reasons. That game wasn't going to be kind to Eli Drinkowitz anyway in his first game uh, going against Alabama. So Alabama's going to pretty much slaughter <laughs> Missouri. Vanderbilt, Texas a and not much in that game either. Maybe keep an eye on, on how Kellen Mond looks, uh, but uh, I think Texas a and pretty, pretty much controls that game against Vanderbilt. And then uh, I think the probably second best game as far as competitiveness. I think Kentucky-Auburn will be really good. But then the nightcap, 730 SEC Network, Tennessee and South Carolina. And I think is a big statement for both coaches here, Jeremy Pruitt, can he live up to some some expectations for the first time in his career uh, as being a head coach at Tennessee? Jarek Guarantano, I think, is the same thing. Some expectations on him to take that next step as an SEC quarterback. So can they, in, in their season opener, um, you know, look – you know, offensive line for, for Tennessee is going to be pretty strong. They got they do have to have some key players, especially at receiver and, and on defense, to replace uh, as well. So I think you know it's a statement game for Jeremy Pruitt in that way of living up to expectations. But then for the other side of it, <laughs> Will Muschamp changing offenses again. I do like the Mike Bobo hire. But man, how many times can he just change? How many times can he change offensive coordinator? If we saw it at Florida, we're seeing it at South Carolina. It's the same story over and over again. I do think Mike Bobo is probably the best offensive coordinator hire he's made as a head coach. SEC experience did very well at Georgia as an offensive coordinator. I just, you know, I, I think it's the best hire he's made uh, for, for that position. So, and he got some familiarity, knows Bobo well, uh, you know, being Georgia alumni uh, together. So, but uh, you know, some finally decided on quarterback. And uh, we'll see how that goes for South Carolina. I think they have a whole lot of questions at wide receiver uh, for, for that team as well. And we'll kind of just see how many, how, how many steps and how quick can, can those steps be made for Will Muschamp and, and Mike Bobo in figuring out that, uh, that South Carolina offense. So I think it's a statement game for both coaches. Jeremy Pruitt wins. And I think it just kind of, it, it lets the expectations still linger uh, a bit for, for for Tennessee. Will Muschamp loses this game, then it's just like, oh, here we go again for South Carolina uh, more than likely. But win this game, and it's like, okay, then you're looking at a team that maybe not make a whole lot of noise in the SEC East, but many people are picking to finish behind Tennessee uh, in the standings. And uh, so South Carolina, Tennessee, both head coaches, a lot to prove there. And, of course – the in-state rivalry, not in the SEC. FSU and Miami will play as well. Miami coming off a uh, big win versus Louisville uh, last weekend. And uh, Mike Norvell, FSU head coach, is out with coronavirus. Uh, so uh, interesting, <laughs> his first Florida State-Miami game, he will not be on the sideline. Oh, that's going to get ugly, I think. I uh, do think Miami will pretty much control that game uh, from kickoff. But, you know, I mean, FSU ends up always playing Miami tough anyway. Uh, so let's see how that goes. Uh, but I do think Miami runs away uh, with that game. So with this being the first uh, preview, I think uh, we never really uh, – I never really threw out my season predictions. Usually throw those out around SEC media days. Didn't get a chance to do that this year, of course. Uh, so here we go. I got 9-1 and one for the Gators to finish out the year. 9-1. and one. I think they do beat Georgia. Um, and drop a game somewhere else. I can't really pick pinpoint where I think Florida loses the game. I think it's kind of likely finishing nine and one. Maybe there's one, one that one loss comes to Kentucky or Tennessee at the end of the year. 
Um, you roll into those last two games undefeated. Uh, and I can see a scenario where Florida loses those games. I, and look, this is not a, a hit on Florida. I don't think any SEC team, SEC team is going undefeated this year. And it's been hard enough for a Florida team to go undefeated. <laughs> and, and, and 10 SEC games, I, I, I just don't see it. I don't see anybody going undefeated. I wouldn't see, I mean, look, the 2018 didn't go undefeated. I wouldn't see a 96 team go undefeated. I wouldn't see an 06 team go undefeated with this schedule. Uh, so, it's just the, just the nature of the beast, uh, I, I think. But, you know, win that Georgia game, it still uh, puts up everything uh, for you. But I got Florida in winning the East, and then Georgia, Kentucky, Tennessee, South Carolina, Missouri, Vanderbilt. So I think the SEC wraps up. SEC West, I got Alabama, LSU, Auburn, Texas A&M, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and then Arkansas. And then the SEC Championship game, Florida uh, and Alabama, I just can't pick Florida beating Alabama just yet. <laughs> I'd love to be. I'd love to be able to say they can. Uh, look, a, a loss in that game still may get you to the college football playoff. The Big Ten coming back in Ohio State, more than likely th- those teams will be still in the college football playoff conversation. We're only playing eight games. I think that hampers a bit and maybe getting two SEC teams in. Uh, but we'll see how see how it all plays out. But I, I still think it's pretty likely two SEC teams get in. Florida's only got one loss going into that game. You still have a chance, even with a loss to Alabama, to get into the college football playoff. But that's kind of how I see it shaking out now. I hope I'm wrong with that. I hope Florida goes 10-0. I hope Florida's playing Alabama or whoever in Atlanta in the SEC championship game goes on to win that game and goes on to the college football uh, playoff as well. So that will do it for this Ole Miss preview episode. Thanks for uh, joining here. For, don't forget uh, on Sunday, Nick DeLaTorre, Graham Hall would join me for a review of this game, and hopefully we'll be looking back at a Gators win. Guys and girls out there, I'm the host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown. <laughs>